What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Mikey McNuggets, Earl the Pearl, Anthony Antonelli here for your latest edition of the Behind the Glass podcast, your favorite UCSS producers with some behind-the-scenes stories, some Browns, some Cavs, and a little more. Right before we launched, we were having a fascinating discussion. I told Earl. It's, it's not that fascinating. To me, it is. So we're going <laughs> to let, well, let people ch- chime in and trickle in. Uh, I wanted to bring this back up, but I asked Earl, I'm like, you want a St. Louis Cardinals hat? And this is one of the instances where two things are true at once. Yes, it is a St. Louis Cardinals hat, but in Earl's mind, and Earl's Earl's also right. I'm not saying he's wrong. It's a lakeside hat. Lakeshore. Lakeshore hat. Yeah. And apparently where Earl grew up, it's common. wear a different, or maybe, and if you're in the chat and you've, (laughs) you've seen this before, let me know. Seriously. This very well could be just out out of my realm, like my world, but you said people from, so like if you like yeah. mainly explain, like in the, explain, like, yeah. like mainly in the east side of Cleveland, like growing up as a teenager, you know, your lid basically it represents where you come from. It, it represents it represents your neighborhood. And yeah, so like an I, east side thing. Yeah, I uh trust me, I get I get told that all the time, like especially working in this industry. They like, man, you wear the Cardinals hat. I be like, yes and no. <laughs> so but uh it's funny, I'll show you a picture tomorrow. Um, there's a picture of my memories from like eight years ago. I've been wearing these hats my whole life, but I uh, like I'm a hat dude though. I wear all kind of hats. I was gonna say I I've started wearing hats a lot more recently. I used to wear them a lot, then I didn't wear them forever. Then I've gotten back into hats, and I feel like a cool hat's a cool hat. I, like yeah. it, it's less of the logo per se, and more of the look of the hat. And does it match the rest of the fit? It's been like support hat. Oh my! My, my favorite my favorite hat is the Oakland A's hat, the green with the uh, with the gold bill. That's like yeah. one of my favorite hats. You can never go wrong with the classic Yankee. Um, I got a black on black guardian hat. I think that's pretty dope. But uh, yeah, this is my this is my favorite hat, hands down. I have beef with black on black hats. I'm not gonna lie. Why? Wow, what's the beef with black on black? You, from a distance, it just looks like a black hat. If you're rocking a team, I want to be able to see the logo. And black on black, whether it's Guardians, Mets, Yankees, the life of Chapo. Basically, he just tells you it's, it's a meal waste thing. Like that, that's just something we do. <laughs> that's hey, that's that, the that black on black brownie there's nothing, hat there's looks really wrong good. With it, but the fact that Anthony didn't know, and yeah. are you really from Parma? Yeah, do I've never worn a Phillies hat. I figured yeah. he'd be wearing a Phillies hat or a Pirates hat or something like that. Yeah. No, I've never, I never owned that. I do have a oh. Texas Strangers hat for whatever reason. Wait, I don't right. even what know the, why. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this is very important. Very important. You just said Pittsburgh Pirates hat. Yeah. If he's from Parma, and he was growing up where you grew up, could you wear? Pittsburgh colors and still get away with it. Did so it's funny because like I like the black hat with the gold P. Yeah. But like on purpose, I try to stay away from wearing black and gold together. Yeah. I like don't I purposely try to I, I that's the one thing I do try to like do, but I like predominantly wear a lot of black. I wear like a lot of black and red. I mean y'all see me like, but yeah. that that gold and black, no, I just can't I can't bring myself to do that. <laughs> we, we almost saw Earl, I think it was last Monday. He wore a Michigan sweatshirt, but it's not a Michigan sweatshirt. Oh, no, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not. We thought it was Michigan, but it was your daughter's Warrensville. It's Warrensville. Oh yeah, yeah. And 
it, it did look quasi-Michigan. And also from a distance, if you're colorblind like some of us are, it could have looked black and gold, but mm. I knew better than to think Earl was wearing black and gold, especially no, after I, a brown. I'm repping that now. That I rep proudly. That that gold and blue, that Warrensville Lady uh, Lady Tigers, I rep that proudly. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all right now, man. They're gonna win the state championship, and we are gonna have the team in on the show after they win the state. Like they came up short last year. This year they're gonna go get it done. If Warrensville's colors were black and gold, Earl, I would rock them. You still would. I would rock them. Terrell wants to know why why no black and gold though. It's because Pittsburgh, right? I'm, I don't want to yeah. answer for you. I just, I mean, that. like if I get dressed and want to put it on, I'll put it on. But subconsciously, I'm always thinking about that. If I put it on, like don't nobody want to do that. <laughs> uh, well, let's just jump into the show here, guys. We have a monumental, massive, and I cannot state how big the game is this weekend between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Not only is division rights up in the air here, but I think the Browns, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Browns are competing for some national relevance here. You know, you look mm-hmm. at these two teams. They're separated by one one loss in the loss column. Baltimore 7-2, and two, Cleveland 5-3. and three. And when you, you listen to how these two teams are looked at and discussed, and I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying this is what it is right now. The Ravens are lo- talked about and looked at as not only the AFC favorite, but a Super Bowl contender and one of the best teams in football, a top three team in football right now. And the Browns are looked at as, I don't want to put the word fraud out there, but they don't have that statement signature one with Deshaun Watson yet to where everyone has kind of put them into the legitimate contender category. Or when you look at this matchup, when you look at Baltimore, when you look at the Browns, when you look at how these two teams even uh, match up across the board and what we saw back in week four, do you think the Browns need to win this game to kind of catapult themselves into the conversation where I think you, myself, old G and some of the rest of the guys in the show think they should already be in. I think for the Browns to be taken serious as a Super Bowl contender nationally and locally, I think they definitely need to go out there and win this game. I think this is a measuring stick game more so than a 49ers game for the simple fact it's a divisional game. For me, when I look at the Browns, I think the Browns are, night and day different from the Browns teams of the past. And I think the organization, despite the issues, have have taken major leaps forward from where they used to be. But with all that being said, until you can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens on a consistent basis, uh, then one, you won't never win this division, which make your road to trying to get to a Super Bowl a little tougher. And if you want me to believe, which I've been out here on the front, on the front line saying, before the season started, that I felt like the Browns was going to go play in the AFC championship. Well, if that's going to be the case, you need to go beat a team um, like the Baltimore Ravens. I think this game is important for Deshaun Watson. I think this game is equally important for Kevin Stefanski. When you look across the sideline and you see Harbaugh on the other side, and no matter what, right, no matter if Lamar Jackson has not been back there, there's been times when we played the Ravens and they was down to their fourth string running back, Somehow, some way, they found a way to come out victorious against us despite all their adversity. And I think it's time that the Cleveland Browns step up and be able to do the same to show that we can overcome adversity, that we stumping with the big dogs now, and that we got to be taken seriously. So, yeah, like to me, this game is is very important for a lot of different reasons. And if the Browns want that type of respect and that type of recognition and that type of love, then you need to go out there Sunday and beat the Baltimore Ravens. And you feel the same way? Yeah, I'm- I don't like saying must win, Mike, but it's a must win. 
That's I don't look at it as a must win. I, I, I think the Browns could lose this game and, and they'll be fine. The rest of the schedule after this week is not very daunting. They play a lot more bad teams than good teams in the next couple of weeks. And if they lose this game, they're still in the thick of the playoff hunt. But I do agree with Earl in the sense that the Browns still need to prove they can beat the best teams in this division. And they they have had their way with Cincinnati. And I don't want to call it an anomaly because they have earned every one of those wins and deserve to be, what is it, eight and eight and three in the last 11 games in Cincinnati? Is that yeah, the something like that, yeah. So I'm not taking anything away from that. But the Steelers and the Ravens, like in my mind, the AFC North still runs through those two cities. Fair foul, I don't know. Joe Burrow's been the best quarterback. The Bengals have been better than, than those two teams the last couple of years. But in my mind, if you want to be looked at as a legitimate contender, you got to be able to punch a team in the face. Mm-hmm. Beat a physical. You got to beat a bully. And Cincinnati, for as good as they are, and they are better now than they were earlier in the season, you know, they're they're more of a finesse team than a power team. And I want to see the Browns, and I, I think that they're they're very capable of doing this. So this is what I'm hoping, but I also I do believe they're very capable of doing this. They gotta go in and, and punch the punch the Ravens in the face and be like, hey, you have dominated us for the last decade. And we don't give a shit. Like that ends now. Like that that reign ends today. And this is the closest we've seen the Browns to full strength. I know they're dealing with a bunch of nick and knickknacks. Jed Wills is out. Dewan Jones didn't practice today. You got Deshaun Watson as healthy as he's been. Mm-hmm. And that's all that really matters. That's all that you, you could deal with other injuries. You can't lose Deshaun. We saw what happens with PJ Walker. I do think to be looked at in the in the vein that we see them, I do think it's a game that they have to go out and prove they can compete with the best teams with Deshaun Watson on the road. They haven't had that opportunity to yet this season. Like this is this is the game you go out and do that. I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You I mean, you talk about those being power teams. And I think the Cleveland Browns are a power team as well. I think, like, to me, like, this game is very important because if you want to win it, you know, think about what Zadarius Smith said during training camp. The first thing first is to win this division. And if you truly have a a shot at winning this division, you got to win one of these next two games. With the Ravens game in particular, you know, I think about, um, you know, some of the comments Miles Garrett has made. I think about what David Njoku said on our show. Shout out to the Njoku brothers, by the way. Yes, but this sir. team is that they they close knit, right? They believe in one another. They believe they can beat anybody, and they believe that they can overcome any amount of adversity. And to be totally honest with you, for as much as that we sat on here, whether it be behind the glass, Browns post game or on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, and bitched and complained about all the issues with the Browns, everybody from Kevin Stefanski on down in some type of way have overcome some adversity this season. And so this team is definitely battle-tested, which is why, like, I have all the confidence in the world that they can actually go into Baltimore and beat the Baltimore Ravens. I think they got a bad taste in their mouth from that first game. Um, And quite honestly, I think that was the turning point to where us in the media locally and then the fans started to become skeptical. When they they went out there and the whole Deshaun Watson uh, drama started and, you know, we got our ass whooped at home versus the Baltimore Ravens, it seemed like that's when all that drama started. And so I think the Browns got a bad taste in their mouth. I think they want to go out there and redeem themselves. And um, I know Jim Schwartz 
who struggled against the read option this year and struggled personally against Lamar Jackson throughout his career. Like, I'm pretty sure he's chopping at the bit to go out there and make some corrective action, man. I uh, I feel good about this game. I told y'all this morning, I really wish this game was being played tomorrow night. Like, I really wish this game was being played, like, right away. I think it's a lot of people with something to prove, and I think they want to go out there and do just that. Yeah, they're actually lucky it's not tomorrow night, only so they have a few more days to rest and get some of those banged-up guys healthy. But I get what you're saying, Earl. It, there's such a bad Thursday night football game this week, too. I wish there was able ways to – I know they, the NFL has the ability to flex, but they don't use it ever. And you said it's a must-win. I think if they lose to Baltimore, I think next week versus Pittsburgh is a legitimate must-win because if you lose that, then you're looking at a lot of teams ahead of you in the division. Why do you think this is a must-win? I think it's for morale reasons more than just actual playoff reasons. Like Earl said, like you got to be able to go out there and punch this team in the mouth. And you they came into your house and did it to you. Now it's time to get that revenge game back. And they are the team to beat in the division, I think. I know we're all even, and the Bengals and the Ravens tend to be the flip-flop first-place team. Right now, today, it's the Ravens to beat, though. So I, I think they can't lose this uh for morale reasons they can lose this uh and still make the playoffs that's whatever but i think as a team showing everybody that they are serious they have to win this game uh i said the title was missing the word yeah i just tried to update it i'm not sure if it updates live or not but we are aware we appreciate that and we'll uh we'll fix it on the on the back end i I think i I think man like the, the ravens game like it presents so many different uh challenges and tests which is why, like, to me, it's a, it's a very important measuring stick game. Because, like, let's say I don't I don't really necessarily believe in moral victories, right? But let's say for whatever reason the Browns didn't win this game, but this game was close and competitive throughout, and we lost on, like, something like a, a last-second field goal or something, I'm going to still walk away confident about my team. It's yeah. going to tell me that my team can stump with the big dogs. Uh, the Ravens right now is considered the best team in the NFL. And if the Browns can go toe-to-toe with them – even in defeat, then that then that tells me a lot about the team that I have. And it tells me that all we need to do is cash a ticket to the dance and we can dance with anybody. And so it's very important that we go out here, we play hard, that we be prepared, that Kevin Stefanski is prepared, and that Deshaun Watson plays well. Um, I know we'll get into it throughout we throughout this podcast, but just play well. You know what I mean? You ain't got to go out there and ball out. We define what ball out is to you all, but um, – I, I like our chances, to be totally uh, totally honest with you, man. They can get got. I, I, I don't know why people feel like the Ravens can't get got, but, you know, Deshaun Watson talked about that today at his press conference. Like, you know, every NFL team is good, and every any given Sunday, any team can get got. So. It's, and, I mean oh, – sorry, all, go all ahead. All you had, no, you uh, no, I was going to say, just a positive thing to let, go into this game with, the 49ers were considered the best team in football when we went to play them, and we yeah. beat them with our third-string quarterback. Like, we yeah, can do it's, this. It's not impossible. No, no, no. Listen, this, anyone who's saying this is a no-chance game is out of their damn minds. This is – I personally think the spread, which is minus or minus six for Baltimore, Browns are six-point underdogs. Oh, it moved up to six. It was five and a half last six, time I Yeah, after the news about Jed Wills, it became official, it moved to six. I think that's too high. I would I would hammer the Browns with the points here. I, I even like the Browns' money. We'll get to our picks later in the week, but – I've said this for a couple of weeks now, and we know the NFL is a week-to-week league. We've seen so many teams think you're going to win and then lose. Like, it happens literally every week. There's some sort of upset you didn't see coming. In this game, with the, or at least with the Ravens, like, 
they've been playing so well for four weeks straight now. And you can look at the final score of Baltimore. That game was never close. Like I know the final score made it look like a one-score game. It, it, it was not close. We haven't seen a team in football in the last three years. Seriously, go back. Play five really good games in a row. There's always a clunker thrown in there. And I thought we were going to see a clunker versus Seattle. Well, that didn't happen. I thought we were going to see a clunker against Detroit. That didn't happen. Like Baltimore, based on the press in the last few years of teams being that good on both sides of the ball week in, week out. It's like Indy with the, the Browns defense. They play 10 times. There's only one time that Indy's putting up 38 points on that Browns defense. Like it just happens. Right. Ravens are due for a clunker. And I was thinking it was going to happen twice in the last three weeks. It has not. So I'm I'm banking on it happening this week. You can't like you can't think that it's gonna. You can't prepare like it's gonna happen. But they're they're due to not play as well as they have, and I think this Browns defense is good enough to cause them a lot of chaos come Sunday. I'd be tempted to for them to consider us a trap game. But I don't think Jim Harbaugh no, will let that or John Harbaugh will let that happen. It, so there, there's no such thing as a trap game in the division. Oh, yeah, you do agree with that? Like division. Yeah, ain't, ain't no way game. that it's a trap game yeah. in the division. And if any year that is not, it's, it's this, this year. year. Yeah, I think all four head coaches is looking at every team in this division. And truthfully, man, week in and week out, you know you can't slip. Right? It's damn near like you can't afford to lose. Um, I don't know, like. If the Ravens is per se due for a clunker, I will tell you this, man. Lamar Jackson is playing lights out, and we're starting to see the evolution of Lamar Jackson, a passer under Tom um, Todd Monk, and that's his offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I know is going to be a challenge is, you know, we just played him a couple weeks ago, but here he is a couple more games in, into the system, and he's he's out there actually absolutely killing it. You know, they they stick to the idea to their identity as a run first team, which in my opinion, opinion is allowing him to complete over 70% of his passes right now. You know what I mean? Like the offense is doing what it needs to do uh, for them to have success. Um, It'd be a challenge, but I think our defense is up to it. If I had to spotlight a couple players that's not named miles Garrett, man, this is a, you know, I go back to that draft and I believe they were in the same draft, man. This is what you drafted Jock and Grant Delbert. Yeah, You know, Lamar Jackson is exactly why you drafted these two players in particular. And so to see them actually playing very well, to see them actually like having success in Jim Short's scheme, you know, the whole it just seemed like that last game. You can't throw it out the window. The results was what it was, but it was so much surrounding that um, they got a bad taste in their mouth, man. This is going to be interesting to see, you know, how they come out there. You got to start fast. You can't start sloppy. For me, the biggest thing is zero. Zero turnovers, man. Zero turnovers. And the Ravens are really damn good at forcing turnovers. The Browns have not been great at limiting giveaways. <coughs> Excuse me. On the offensive side of the ball, one word that I'm looking at for this Browns defense, this is where they've gotten hurt this year. As good as they've been, and they play aggressive as hell, when they get over-aggressive, that's when they've got got. And that's what the read option has done to kill them. And I, we have Tyvis coming in tomorrow, and we're going to do this for the TV show on Friday. But Tyvis is going to essentially draw up on the big board in a Coach Tyvis segment. How to be aggressive but not over-aggressive against a guy like Lamar Jackson. And how do you keep your discipline and your run-gap assignments while also watching one of, if not the best, and me and Earl agree he's not the best, but one of the best, 
running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. It's a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And if anyone could try to explain to us how you do it, it's a guy like Tyvis who played in the league for four years and was a high-level college athlete who did exactly that. It's going to be a challenge. Absolutely going to be a challenge. But this Ravens offense, when you look at the outside weapons, I'm not taking anyone on the outside for Baltimore over the Browns' defensive backs. Mark Andrews has always been a thorn in Cleveland's side, but I think JOK and Delpit and even Thornhill to that extent, and Anthony Walker's graded out phenomenal in coverage this year. Like the Browns linebackers aren't a weak spot like they once were. Right. If they're going to have success against the Browns defense, I think it's going to be running the ball. And the Browns defense has been stout against the run this year. So like, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I, I don't know how what you guys feel. And we'll talk about Deshaun Watson in one sec, Earl, whether he needs to quote unquote ball out or not, but. These defenses are both really good, and I'm not sure either offense has a major advantage in any facet, if that makes sense. I think the defense gets the edge in almost every single one of these offensive line versus defensive line, receivers versus DBs situations. I think the defense gets the edge in almost all of them. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not a I'm not a film guru. I kind of leave that stuff up to you and Tyvis, but I do know enough to know, like, you know, the Browns play a very aggressive style of defense. And I think assignment integrity, gap integrity, assignment discipline, uh, gap discipline is going to be key in this game, right? Like the Browns got to ha- have a tendency to over pursue, and Lamar Jackson is man, like he gonna make you he gonna make you stand on business if you play like that with him. He 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 not playing those type of games. And so like I just think gap discipline and gap integrity is going to be key here, and um, I trust the fact that they can do it. I'm like you. If I went corner per receiver, I'm taking Newsom, MJ, and Ward over Flowers, Beckham, and Aguilar. If that was the case, I think that uh, Mark Andrews is definitely the only pass catcher. I ain't going to say the only, but Mark Andrews is the top priority pass catcher that I know that can hurt me. But to your point, our linebackers has done phenomenal in coverage, and I think they'll be okay. Um, You know, they gashed us in the run game last time we played. And so I hope that the Browns can clean up those issues. Outside of that, they've been pretty good against the run. Um, luckily for us, you know, we coming into this week with Dalvin Tomlinson and Shelby Harris and, and Jordan Elliott playing their lights off right now. So, like, if they, if they can continue to play lights out football the way that they've been playing and try to sustain the Ravens' rushing attack as much as they can, because I'm like you, this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I don't think either team – is going to be able to absolutely shut down the other's rushing attack. But if you can just kind of like, you know, kind of bring it down a little bit. I mean, what are they averaging? Like 160-something yards yeah. a game on the ground? Like, that's crazy. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So like, and it's they a different end up, person every week. It's them. a different person yeah. every week. So, like, it's one of those things where I just think, like, uh, you got you to gotta maintain a, that gap discipline, that gap integrity, and not let Lamar Jackson be the one to hurt you. If, if, if the other running backs – do more damage, and you you can keep Lamar Jackson in that pocket, cool. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, has always been able to hurt you with his arm. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but, you know, I do. So We're going to talk to Sean Watson one second. I saw a comment in the chat real quick from Evan that is a good starting off point. He said, Baltimore's D-line is crazy this season. They do lead the NFL in sacks. Watson's going to need to be hitting those quick, short throws, especially with some of the offensive line woes. Or we, we kind of got at this this morning about what, whether or not Deshaun has to quote-unquote ball out for the Browns to beat Baltimore. Now, 
we'll let everyone in the chat define in their own, everyone watching, not just the chat. You could define what ball out means in your own sense, because I do think there, there's no, there's no explicit definition of what balling out is. It could be 325 and two touchdowns. It could be 175, 80% completion, no turnovers. You can choose what it has to do. What I do know that's going to happen this week. All right, I say I know, I assume. The Browns' offensive line is banged up. The Ravens' defensive line is, is really good. Justin Matabike might, might be the most underrated defensive tackle in football right now. That dude has sacks in six straight games and seven of the nine games this season. They have guys, Kyle Van Noy, off the damn couch, who has a top-five pass rush win rate, in the, win rate in the league. Jadavian Clowney's playing well. They get pressure from the D-line a lot. And I'm going to say something I never thought I would ever say, Earl. This is the Elijah Moore game. This is the Elijah Moore game. I think Deshaun's got to throw the ball and get out of his hands very quickly, like very, very quickly. And if they're doing that, I think Amari's going to be double teamed almost every play. Baltimore knows he's their number one option. I think they're going to throw a lot of short screens, quick swings, slants to Elijah Moore and say, you're going to have one-on-one coverage. You got to beat a guy, make a play, get us some yak yards. I don't know if I love that. I just think that's what the the defense is going to force the Browns to take. And if there was ever a game and a matchup for Elijah Moore to prove everyone in the preseason who thought this guy was the second coming of Jesus, right? <laughs> it's this weekend against Baltimore. I'm serious. I'm serious. So for me, like the the whole definition of ball out, like everybody got their own opinion of what ball out is. To me, a quarterback balling out in today's NFL is like 325 plus three touchdowns. You didn't complete 70% of your passes, right? Like to me, that that's ball, that's quote unquote balling out. Like that's that's going crazy out there. I don't think Deshaun Watson has to do that, right? I I never felt like, and it's funny because I gotta go back and find a clip. We talked about this before the season started. I've never thought at any point during this season that he had to do anything like that. In fact, I said on one of our shows, if Deshaun Watson didn't throw for three hundred plus yards and three touchdowns at any point this season but was able to play to the level that he played uh, at against the Tennessee Titans, that was good enough for me. It might not be good enough for everybody else who's worried about him being paid elite money and they want to see the stats match that. But if that's what I can get week in and week out, I'm cool with it. I think that this is going to be a total team effort. Um, I think that the running game needs to be stout. I, I think Leroy made some great points today. Um, I know the yards for carry get brought up a lot as far as, you know, them averaging anywhere from 2.7 to 3 yards a carry, but them being able to run the ball 40 times minimum over the last three or four weeks and still gained over 125 yards plus, I think that says a lot about how effective they, they can run the football. Um, and I think you still got to lean on that. Uh, I don't know if this is the Elijah Moore game or not, to be totally honest with you. I do know that David Njoku throughout his career that had some pretty big games against the Baltimore Ravens. And I expect him to actually be able to do the same this week. And yeah, I, more game? I actually, it might, it might be, I would lean more towards Njoku as well with Earl, but I don't, I don't think he has to ball out for this. I, I do think it needs to be a total team effort with the defenses, both having the edge, like on either side, like you said earlier, I, I don't expect him to go out there and put up 400 yards, 325 mm-hmm. yards and two touchdowns. If he gives me, 185 with maybe a run-in touchdown and one passing touchdown. Cool. Like, I need the whole team to come out and play this week. Yeah, I think the it depends on your definition of ball out. 
like 325 and two touchdowns, they could absolutely win if he does not throw for 325 and two touchdowns. I don't expect either offense to put up a ton of numbers. Do you I, think I, I really don't? Just 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 on the Deshaun Watson, because I know Bull kind of touched on that earlier today, and I strongly disagree with him. He said, you know, the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson to come here and be a superstar. Do yeah. uh, do you believe that a lot of people believe he has to like be a superstar in a stack column in order for them to say, okay, this is worth the trade? During the regular season, yes. In the postseason, just win. So basically, you're saying people have changed their mind. I think when you it's like it, it's not a perfect example, but it's like buying a Ferrari to take your kid to school and never taking it on the highway. It's like buying a Ferrari and never going more than 25 miles an hour in a Ferrari. Like the Browns went out and purchased the top line model of whatever they're doing. And, and if he's going to be a quote unquote game manager where his only real duty is just don't turn the ball over. You're just not maximizing a, that assets full potential. I, I think I think that's more of the – and at the end of the day, if you win, it doesn't matter how you win. Like at the end of the day, winning is more important than any touchdown statistic, any passing yard statistic, any accolade. I'd rather have him go 11-5 and five every year than win MVP and go 4-12. and 12. So I'd rather take a win. But I, I just think when you make a move for a player of Deshaun's caliber, you give up as much as you did for him, which I totally agree with, by the way. Mm-hmm. I would make that move 100 out of 100 times. It comes with the expectation that he will do more than what you had before. And you make that move to give your offense the most opportunities and options to be an efficient, effective, damn near hard or, or damn near impossible to stop offense. And we just haven't seen that yet from him. Not saying it can happen, but just, I don't think we've seen it but, yet. But that's the thing. We haven't seen it yet, right? Do I feel like we still could see it? Honestly, internally, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're not there yet. I kind of go back to what Mary Kay Cabot said, I think, in week two, you know, that the install of this offense, getting to know this offense is the chemistry between Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson. Like, all those things are still being put in place. Those things take time. And the fact that he suffered injuries this year and had to miss games on multiple occasions this year, it really didn't hurt the consistency of, you know, gelling with him and Stefanski and this entire offense. And that's not me making excuses. This is just me going off of, one of the most trusted beat reporters that's around these two more often than I am information that's given to me. Now, with all that being said, like I understand the Browns didn't do all of this to trade for a quarterback um, that just don't turn the ball over. Right. But at the end of the day, I think that we sometimes we try to be too sophisticated with our takes. I think we try to be too sophisticated with the outlook when in reality for every quarterback is so simple. Like, Mike, Tom Brady was a game manager, right? And it, it won him Super Bowl on top of Super Bowl. Was, you was want Brady every, a game manager? But hear me out. Yeah, of course Brady was a game manager. I think every good quarterback, even an elite quarterback, is a game manager. An elite quarterback, Peyton Manning was a game manager. I think Joe Montana was a game manager. Every elite quarterback is a game manager. A game manager is somebody who understands his offense, understands what he's seeing on defense, and can be able to make plays without turning the ball over. That's a game manager. You're managing a game. Like, if you break it down in its most simplistic form, yeah, that's but, what a game manager does. Well, the, uh, I guess that those guys... That's why I'm saying people be trying to be too sophisticated. Then. Like, well, then, then, but the, Earl, then those guys are all game breakers, and Deshaun 
based on what the Browns gave up for him, whether you agree or not, should be in the category of a game breaker, not a game manager. Then, but is he capable of capable of being a game breaker? Yes, we hope so. Yeah, and I'm like, like, I don't think anyone's writing Deshaun off yet. Like, I don't think anyone's saying he can't be that. It's just to this point, the return on what you gave up for him has not been what you gave up. Now that that could all change, and he wins, he wins, awesome. But like, I think it's fair to say to this point in time, as of today, November, what's it, the eighth? Deshaun has not had the return on investment that the Browns gave up. Now that could change. Win and and it all changes. But two right now, the Browns didn't make the trade for Deshaun Watson to get Jacoby Brissett. The Browns made the trade for Deshaun Watson to lead them to a Super Bowl, regardless of how it looked. I think no, he, people he, get hasn't taught, he hasn't done that. Like, yet. Like, he hasn't okay, done he, that has, yet. he hasn't done that. But like, and as far as the stats, people get caught up and too caught up in the stat department. The Browns did what they did because they believe Deshaun Watson can win them to lead them to a Super Bowl. However, he does that. I don't think fans would give a damn. No, let's just be a, no, like, no. like we what, can what argue all day long. Everything, what but but like, cause everything. like, but no, I get it. But like, the, like to your point, people, the phrase the Browns traded for this, the Browns traded for that, the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson for Deshaun Watson to help lead them to a Super Bowl. It didn't say that he had to look pretty in the stat department to do so. And I think that's what people kind of get misconstrued, man. Like, I, I hear what you're saying. I just I just disagree. It'd be like if we – listen, if, imagine we traded Anthony, G, and Tyvis for Stephen A. Smith. And we didn't put up any bigger numbers than we were right now. I'd be very concerned. Like, like genuinely concerned. That's not the same. <laughs> yeah, that's but not it, the same. It is the same. Like, no, it's not put, the same. We still put on a dope show. Our job is to put on a dope show. And we're still putting on a dope show. But when you get Stephen A, you expect numbers to go up. I, I'm just saying it. Because he it's comes not, with expectations of bringing. It's, it's not the same. So, so look, I, I'm going to ask the fans right now in the chat. If Deshaun Watson was to lead the Browns to the Super Bowl this year, and Deshaun Watson never threw for over 250 yards at any point this season, you would would you be it. okay with that? Yeah, we all would. Yeah, but mean, he hasn't done he hasn't done that yet. So until he we, does that. But but my thing is this: the argument wouldn't be Deshaun Watson didn't throw for this many yards or this many touchdowns. Every fan in here, no matter what they say right now tonight, they'd be like, "I don't care. He led us to the Super Bowl. This is why the Browns got him here." So we can get caught up on the stats all we want to, but at the end of the day, yes. and I've said this before, and I can go back and find the clip. I, I've never looked at this thing and said. I'm going to base Deshaun Watson's performance or anything like that based on what the stats look like. Like, if he throwing up dubs in, in the win column, and, like, my measuring stick is the Tennessee game. And what's crazy is I know Deshaun, I know for a fact Deshaun Watson is capable of being better than he was against the Titans. But let's say for whatever reason that he don't, and that's as good as it gets, and the t- this team make it to the Super Bowl – and ain't nobody gonna give a damn about five thousand yards passing, forty I, touchdowns, or nothing like that. I, I mean, nobody. that's fair, but I I feel like there's just a certain level of expectation that he needs to hit, especially because like this year they have the pieces. What pieces do we lose because of the money we're spending with him? Right, like moving forward, if he's nothing but a no turnover quarterback and not an absolute all star, and he's listen, if if they win the Super Bowl, he could throw zero passes for zero yards, and if they win, he's a hero. That's true. It's that like uh, if he yeah. zeroes across if he the Browns if he leads the Browns to a Super Bowl by QB sneaking and tush pushing every freaking play, it doesn't matter. If he does not lead them to the Super Bowl and he does not start producing at the level that 
you would expect a quarterback of the stature Deshaun Watson has to produce that, that's when it becomes the issue. To this point today, he has not performed at that level. He very much can. I fully expect him to get back to that level. But as of today, he's had one and a half really good games in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Tennessee in the second half against Arizona. And I expect more of those in the future. But to this point in his Browns tenure, the return on investment just isn't there. He definitely need to play better. I'm not saying he don't need to play better. I just don't think that – I think that when people look at his contract and then they look at his play, they're looking for elite level of quarterback play to match an elite level of contract. And I think we talked about this before. If you look at all these dudes – I'm going to take Joe Burrow a lot of that because Joe Burrow is playing stupid right now. You know what I mean? But, like, a lot of times, including Deshaun Watson, you get paid what you get paid based on what you've done in the past and what they project you to do going forward. And very few times do, do uh, I think these players hit that goal of what they project you to do going forward unless you pat Mahomes and you going out there and winning the Super Bowl every week. It may or may not be a, a, bad, a good comparison, guys, but think about this, right? Lamar Jackson just got paid too. And I don't think and and before he got paid, there was questions about his arm talent as a quarterback. Everybody know he's dynamic with his legs. But if if you look at how they're winning games and if you look at how he's playing, I don't think nobody is complaining that Lamar Jackson is not throwing for 300 plus yards or even rushing for 100 yards a game, right? He's doing what he's got to do to lead his team to victory every week. And if Deshaun Watson can elevate his level of play, past what he's been playing and just lead his team to victory every week, then that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you're using the caveat of if he wins the Super Bowl, who cares? You're right. I mean, that that's all he has to do. You are right. Earl, I hope in this instance, I hope I am wrong because that means the Browns have won a Super Bowl and we all win. So for yes. this case, I hope I'm wrong here. I, I hear what you're trying to say. I, I I'm just, just saying, like, I, I get it, it, but we we going to jump up and down and we're going to go yeah. crazy over the stats every week. But if the Browns make the playoffs and they make a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl run, that means that Deshaun Watson did more than enough to lead you to victory, more than he's, he done led you to defeat. And when we sit up here having these conversations, ain't nobody going to worry about how pretty it looked or anything like that. You can say whatever you want to say, and it's all about perspective, right, about – why the Browns bought him here? They bought him here to do this, that, and the third. Deshaun Watson can throw for 350 yards, three touchdowns every week, and the Browns don't win the Super Bowl, and it was off or not. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Look so, at Houston, yeah. But, I mean, the Browns so, are also 2-1 and one with P.J. Walker quarterback. So like, Yeah, but Deshaun Watson, if I'm not mistaken, got a 500 record as a starter as the Cleveland Browns quarterback, even as bad as it's been. I think it's actually above. I think he's like 7-4. and four. So, so we can sit up here and try to dissect this all we want. The dude is still winning while he's trying to get back to a level of playing that's qualifying. Because I even agree that the level of play ain't been all of that, but you still trying to climb yourself back to a qualified level of play, and you still got over a 500 record as a starter with everything that you have been through with this organization. Like, come on, man. Like, I just look at it like this. It's all about winning the Super Bowl. And again, Deshaun Watson is the probably the biggest piece of the puzzle, but he can be the biggest piece. He can be the brightest piece. And if every other piece ain't fitting, we're not gonna win it. His yeah. job is to his job is yeah. to be the captain of a team that can go win a Super Bowl. Earl, your point, I agree with. If they win a Super Bowl, I just yeah. we're 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 five and three midway through the seasons. Um, I just think it's it's too early to put that out there. As like if, if they win a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. 
But to get to the Super Bowl, I think they, I think Deshaun has to play better. Like I, I, I just think that's the bottom line. I agree, he has to play better. But I, all I'm saying is, people is measuring playing better by what the stats look like. I just don't. <laughs> I yeah. just don't. Stat, I mean, stats are misleading. I, I do get that. But the ass point. Yeah. He said 185 yards, one touchdown through the air, one touchdown on the ground, right? Hi, hypothetically, if Deshaun Watson goes 16 for 19 for 185, one through the air, one through the on the ground, those are not stats that's eye-popping, right? But you can look at it like, hey, man, that boy, he played damn good, and the Browns won the game. Yeah, yeah. but every, yeah. every game's different. I think at the end of the day, they pay Deshaun to make plays in the fourth quarter in close games. And he can be terrible for the first three and a half quarters, but if they're down six and they get the ball with four minutes left, they need him to go. Now that I agree with. That I agree with. All that you pay him for those clutch moments. Those clutch moments. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, that's what you pay him for. Let's 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 revisit this at the end of the season, Earl. If they're Super Bowl champions, we'll look at numbers. If they're not, we'll look at numbers. And it's going to come down: How did Deshaun perform when his team needed him to make a play in the first, second quarter, whatever? But when there's a tight game in the fourth quarter. When the Browns get the ball down by a score or tied and have a chance to take the lead late, do you trust Deshaun Watson? And I don't think he's had a chance. And correct me if I'm wrong. Has he had a chance to lead a game-winning fourth quarter comeback yet when he's in Cleveland? <laughs> he didn't had a chance. To, I mean, I got to go back and look, but I might, I felt like he had a couple of chances to do so, and he didn't came up short. Um, Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh game. Yeah, Pitt, yeah Pittsburgh. This year. You're right. You're right. Pittsburgh yeah, he, he came up short. But yeah. to your point, now that I 100% agree with. Like, those are the moments that, like, okay, you're a big time player, go be a big time player. But, yeah. like, outside of that, man, just do what you got to do to lead your team to victory. All I'm saying is, like, just don't get caught up in the stats because he can play well and the numbers don't pop off all the time. Like, we do stats all the time, right? There's been plenty of times to where Mike could be like, for example, make me Shelby Harris game stats before this week or make me Dalvin Tomlinson's, uh, Tomlinson's game stats before this week. And we all know he bought out, but you got one pressure or, yeah. or one yeah. tackle. You feel me? So the way you play don't always show up in the statute. Yeah. That's I think I, what Martin Emerson had a tackle against the Cardinals. Yeah. Martin yeah. Emerson played great last week and was targeted once and had one tackle. Like stats, yeah, are, so stats are very misleading. Right. And as someone who loves numbers like myself, I can find almost any number to back up my argument. And I can also find almost any number to dispute my argument. It just depends on how you frame it. So, yeah, stats and the actual quantity of the stats, I do think have a – they mean something, but not that much, the quality of the stat. And I think there are certain stats that mean more. And in this case, Deshaun, what do your numbers look like in a one-score game in the fourth quarter? Like, I think that is what we'll come back to and say. At the end of the day, he was – Six and three when he had a chance to lead the Browns on game-winning drives. And, yeah, that's why you pay him, and that's what you take. Let's talk a little Cavs real quick, guys. They open up a four-game West Coast road trip tonight against Oklahoma City. The Thunder beat them in what Jay called a catastrophic loss in the second game of the season. Uh, I think he overstated that a little much. In the rematch, Earl, (laughs) I know what I'm looking at is how Evan Mobley and Chet Holmgren Chet Holmgren, excuse me, kind of matchup. Holmgren got the better of Mobley in the first matchup. It was his second NBA game, and that guy looked – I don't want to say it again, but he looked like the unicorn we were promised here in Cleveland. Earl, are you watching the SGA-Mitchell matchup? Are you watching Garland versus one of the Thunder other guards? They have about 74 they throw at you. Are you going to be watching Mobley versus Holmgren? 
just like me. I, I, y'all know I'm always watching Spider-Man, but I, I feel like I ain't got to watch Spider-Man. Spider out here doing his thing. I'm watching the unicorn, man. Listen, I just stuck, up my, I stuck my neck out there on the line. <laughs> Listen, I put my neck on the line for you, Bobo. Like, no, I, I'm expecting him to uh, just bounce back and be better. Like, assert yourself. You know what I mean? Like, figure out a way to get it done. Figure out a way to be more consistent than what you are. Averaging, I think he's somewhere between 14 and 16 points a game. Don't know it offhand right now, but I need more than that from Evan Mobley. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you should be walking around with at least 22 and 10 a night. That's just the reality of the situation. But at the same time, I don't think it's all his fault. You know, one, I think he's still developing as a basketball player. And two, I don't think the head coach is putting him in the best situations to have success, right? I think that the Evan Mobley that we're hoping to see, um, he hasn't figured it out and the coach hasn't figured out really how to use him yet. Like, I just want the Cavs to go out there and play better than what they have. Um, I tell you this, Jonas, West Coast Swain, you better start looking better than what you've been looking. You better start playing better than what you've been playing because uh, a certain somebody might not be on the plane coming home. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, Interesting no. you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to see some effort out of Mobley. Like, I haven't watched – I haven't been – keyed in a lot on the uh, Cavs this year. I, I'm slacking on my basketball watching overall. The in-season tournament didn't interest me at all, but I, everything I've watched from the Cavs and Mobley, he's just, he's got one offensive play where he sits under the bucket and he doesn't play super hard defense. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of losing faith. I'm hoping I'm getting proved wrong, but in your case, Earl, talk about bounce back. He didn't really bounce back against uh, the people that bullied him with the Knicks. So I don't know if he's got it in him. I'm I'm really starting to question it. He's averaging 14.9 points a game, 11.6 rebounds. The rebounds is uh, seventh in the NBA. He's 82nd in points per game scored. And I need more than 14.9. Yeah. Especially with Jared Allen missing a few games and and Garland missing a few games. Earl, you know what I'm going to say that I know you're going to laugh at. We just did a whole thing on how much do stats matter. And he's looking keep, up stats for Evan Mobley. I keep no, 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 no. That's fair. I keep seeing people on Cavs Twitter telling me he does so much more than the stats. You got to really watch the games, and and I do. And I don't see what the hell you're talking about. Seriously, he he's a good defender. He's an average passive offensive player. Like until he gets more aggressive, I just think this is the Evan Mobley we're dealing with. But one thing I am watching tonight, I don't want to crap on Mobley too much. Uh, I just him versus Holmgren. This is one of the few matchups he should physically dominate. Chet Holmgren weighs less than him. He's a two years younger than him, so we can't use the, oh, well, Mobley just turned 21. Holmgren just turned 20. So, you know, there, there's no physical limitations here. Darius Garland didn't play in that first game between these two teams. And Spider had to play point guard, also be the leading scorer, also do just about everything on the offensive side of the court because Max Drews couldn't buy a bucket that game. I still am waiting to see that second-level Garland-Mitchell backcourt click and add some new wrinkles we didn't see last year. And as good as and as fun as OKC is, as athletic as they are on the perimeter, they don't really have a good matchup for Darius Garland. He's a little quicker than their guards who are a little bigger. And this is a game, at least on paper, that I think DG has a chance to kind of take over and make his own. And I think if anyone would love that, it'd be Donovan, who's had to put this offense on his back for – what two and a half weeks straight now? Yeah, so I'm watching DG yeah. in this one. I think he's, he's, I don't know what his fan duel over under is for points and assists, but I, I think he's in for a big night. I don't know. We definitely need to check it out. We need to put that parlay in so we can hit ourselves. 
Um, <laughs> seriously. But uh, they got the Cavs minus two per fan duel and over under set at two twenty seven and a half. Two twenty seven. I know if I was doing anything, um, I'm taking I'm taking uh, I'm taking Donovan Mitchell over twenty five points. I would take Max Strus two plus threes. Um, take I would the take, rebound. The, the the thunder can't rebound, so I would take all the over. I would I would take Isaac Okoro one three. I would take. Uh, I think over, I think Okoro's out tonight. I don't think he's playing. Okay, I would take. Uh, I would take uh, Evan Mobley to over on the rebounds. Um, yeah. Well, we'll be watching. Uh, we will. Yeah, game starts at eight. I, yeah, I do not believe Okoro's playing. I believe he's out tonight, nursing an injury. Oh Lord, they got questions. Oh, they got questions. I was look. I was trying to find the uh, the FanDuel stuff, but I'll, I'll start looking at questions. I look. Let, let's get. We, I see a couple of super chats that we'll get to, and then if you have any other questions, behind the scenes stuff, ask away. We'll answer those here before we hop off and go watch the Cavs first. Super hold chat. on, hold on. Before you read, before he start reading those, before while we doing all that. Hey, where y'all from? Where y'all watching from? In, inside the country, inside the city, like where y'all from? Man, put put, put where you watching at the night. We do appreciate. I actually always like seeing that. I should have asked that off the top, and that's a bad job out of me for forgetting. First one comes from Terrell Glenn. What do you guys think the likelihood is that even if the Browns win, national media will make excuses for them, like how we beat the Bengals and it was Joe's hurt or it was raining? Uh, I mean, Joe was hurt legitimately, so I don't know that's an excuse. They still beat the crap out of the Bengals. I think it depends on how they win. But honestly, it shouldn't matter. If they beat the Ravens in any capacity – that's that's being the best team in football right now. That that should be celebrated and and respected, as I know we will do. But I think it should be the same across the country. It's the it's the damn Ravens. They just beat the absolute living dog piss out of Seattle and Detroit. So, you know, <laughs> you laughing at Christopher Gillespie? Yeah. <laughs> we'll go. We'll, we'll read some of these in a sec. Be like that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you agree, Earl? If they, there's no way they cannot give the Browns the love they deserve, if they beat Baltimore. There's no way. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the Clevelander in me, but I think anytime somebody try to take a shit on one of us, like that's what they're gonna try to do anyway. But whatever, man, we don't need y'all glory anyway. All right, next is from Ian Wicks. Says if you can't run the ball, are you confident Watson is going to throw the ball all over to win? I guess that goes back to what we were saying earlier, Earl. Do you think he needs the ball out? What do you think about that? No, I don't think he needs the ball out, man. I think Deshaun Watson definitely needs to put together a solid ball game. Um, and not turn the football over and just do his part, right? Like, I think we get too caught up on Deshaun Watson being the face of the franchise and everything has to be on him. I feel like I got to get on here and say the whole Jim Brown line every week. Football is 11 on 11. All you can do is make your contribution to the overall goal. So Deshaun Watson, make his contribution and don't be the reason why we lose, then I'm all good. And you want to chime in? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was reading all the questions. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, like I said earlier, I uh, he no turnovers, like a touchdown in the air, touchdown on the ground. I'm happy as long as we win. I think he'd be a dogfight either way, low scoring. Uh, next is from Nick H. What is Schwartz's record going against teams for second place? I'd have to do, I, I have no idea yeah. off the top of my head. I apologize, Nick, but I'll have to do some research on that. Uh, Jacob M14 says, what'd you guys think about the Miles Garrett interview on the Pat McAfee show? Did you guys see that? I did not. I did see that he wanted to be a Brown for life though, but I don't think that was the Pat McAfee. Interview. No, he, he said the same thing on, on the K Adams show. It was, uh, 
I watched it. Ma's a cool dude. Like he's he he marches to the beat of his own drum. He does things a little different. He had, he had, did the interview in his man cave, which had dinosaurs and dragons and all these little things that Anthony has on his desk. That I don't really know what they are behind him. And he had a giant. Yeah, yeah, literally those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he had a giant Jurassic Park mural painted in his office on the wall. That's so cool. He, he cut. Listen, Pat McAfee's the goat at what he does. The way he gets guys to let down their guard and just kind of hang out is what we we strive to do on UCSS. I think we do a really good job of that with guests that we have come on pretty regularly. When we have athletes on, you know, we're still trying to uh, build up the credibility with them to feel completely at home, but it was a good interview. If you uh, didn't see it, go check it out. Miles said he's he feels like he's at the peak right now, at his own personal peak. Like he said, this is about as good as I'll ever get. Um, so it was definitely worth listening to. He also said he wants to be a Brown for life. Uh, DJ Brobot says, tell Earl to take off that St. Lunatic. Lunatics. Lunatics. He said St. Lunatics. The wrong side. Uh, the wrong stuff is draining his brain. My homies talking points are coming in sideways tonight. <laughs> um, Mike, have it, you ever heard of the St. Lunatics? Okay. <laughs> Before I answer, can I just explain why I'm having so much trouble reading? Can, can I, can I just laugh at this comment real quick? I have my <laughs> – what does that say? Hold on. I love, My emoji is – something else <laughs> i thought this was good that is funny that is funny um i was I, I don't have my contacts in so i'm trying to like squint to read so oh. uh saint lunatics i mean i'm guessing it's a saint louis joke i'm not 100 <laughs> percent. no the saint lunatics is the rap group oh, see yeah, nelly, no. nelly had a bunch of friends right it was like murphy lee and all of them nah, and, and they made a rap album they made a video and uh that was it <laughs> that, that i've never I, I like hip hop. I'm not gonna tell you I'm a music fanatic. I don't really listen to music, so I, I wish I knew more. I, Mike I'm does just, not I, listen I, to music. I, I, he actually. said, "Well, hey, listen, right, look, Lawrence, the song Nellyville on the song on the album Welcome to Nellyville was fire. I can spit the intro to Nellyville to this day, man. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I need the beat. <laughs> I'll, I'll play the beat. Hold on. No, <laughs> he's he's, uh, we're gonna get demonetized. <laughs> so he's uh, yeah. All right, Nathan G says, when is the behind-the-glass meet-and-greet? We actually had our first discussion about that last week, and we are trying to figure out a date, time, and place that would work for everybody. So stay on the lookout. But it is coming. I promise you it is coming. It is coming. Uh, Evan419 says, with Mikey pissing bull off yesterday, who is the most fun to mess with on the panel, and what is the easiest way to mess with each guy on the panel? Uh, and let's go, let's go around the horn. You can, you can start with that one. Oh, for me, it's Tyvis, and I think that's just because like he's the closest to my age. I out of everybody, I think, because he's only twenty nine, so he's yeah, he's even closer than you are, Mike. And I, I don't know why. I can just say something to Tyvis, and his reaction kills me every time. So that Ty is my vote. I love messing with Ty. Um, I like I like messing with Bull. I try to make Bull mad because like I think like Bull pisses me off a lot. <laughs> like full disclosure. Bull pisses me off a lot, and I don't know if he know he pisses me off a lot. Like I had, so everybody got their pet peeves, right? Like I have this this pet peeve about being cut off when I'm talking. I feel like it's the most disrespectful thing in the world is to cut somebody off while they talking, and like that really really gets under my skin. 
So any chance I get to piss Bull off, I take it. Like so when he heard me counting, when you told him he had 30 seconds and he got mad, oh man, that was everything. That was beautiful. That made my day. <laughs> that made For the me record, happy. We and Bull have we we've discussed we are all good. There's no hard feelings. I promise you. Bull is my favorite to mess with too. I do it in little different ways. Bull hates when we abbreviate stuff. So in the rundown, I send out every night, I abbreviate practice to PRAX every time I abbreviate season to SCN. He uh he does not like any of that, which is weird because it's just less for him to read, but he can't stand that. Um <laughs> I mean, like listen, they're they're all fun to mess with in different ways. No, Evan right though. Evan is right. He said we've been on, uh, on the air for a year and a half. <laughs> I'm just trying to get one ad read in. This one the ad, ad reads are really in. what killed me. But I'm just trying to read. <laughs> Yo, man. So, like, you know, like I, I enjoy when I'm all on that panel. And like, like y'all can understand where I'm coming from. I'll be trying to tell you, he, he I got a 79-year-old grandmother from Alabama. Okay. You follow me? <laughs> she cannot stand seeing her grandbaby getting cut off <laughs> every time I go make a point. It puts her back in a bad space. <laughs> Well, it, it's not just you. It's, it's, it's everyone. I, I, I had to let her know that, too. I said, man, yeah. listen, you know, but we, we have to have a talk about it. But no, like, that's a trigger of mine. And so, like, anytime I can trigger Bull, I'm going to try to trigger Bull. I like when Bull and Jay trigger each other. That's, That'd be funny. That, that's my favorite, too, because those two, and I, I, so this is no no BS. This is all legitimate. Like, it's there's never hard feelings between the two. They are probably as tight as anyone on the show off camera. But for they, they find themselves on like steadfast different sides of the argument more than anyone else, and neither of them like to budge. Like there is very little budge room in the middle, and you guys have seen all the different times where it's essentially been Jay versus Bull, and everyone else just kind of backs off. And they, me they too, Evan. Hey, I, I was cracking. <laughs> Me and Anthony be leaning on each other, laughing our ass off. That's what y'all don't see. <laughs> and also, when he was like, "I hear you guys talking back there," we talk oh, like that, that every like that that's was not, so that's every funny. day. Like that's how we that's how we produce the show. So it, yeah, it was it was funny. We love Bull. Like we really do love Bull. But yeah. um, all right, next one. Creative Juice says Mikey has a beard. Uh, ironically, I'm going to shave in about an hour. Wait, what? I thought we were doing no shave November. Yeah, but I don't know. Come All on, right. man. At least makes you look like 17. Yeah, but there, there's some big shows coming up, and I just look better without it. And I'm hoping That's... one of these shows, in all honesty, <laughs> I'm hoping, in all honesty, one of these shows. You ain't anyway. Earl saw Listen, something. I'm trying to get one of these shows nominated for an Emmy, and I know I look better without the beard. So it this this may be selfish and not doing. No nah, shave November, fair. but I know how those people who vote on these things work, and we are in a TV category. Well, you know, we're a YouTube show. Oh, oh man, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding us back. So yeah, so I probably <laughs> I'm not shaving either. Don't worry. I probably will shave back. tonight. I'll be totally honest. And then we're gonna tape Coach Tyvis tomorrow, so I'll bring uh the same shirt and I'll wear two days in a row, which is a little fun fact about the TV show. So. Yeah, uh, what else we got? You said don't say you want to record it. That's funny. What happened to Mike Polk? Mike Polk is the busiest man in the Channel 3 building. Literally the single busiest man in the Channel 3 building. And his schedule, when they added like seven new things to his schedule this year, 
he was like, Hey, I love you guys, but I just, I, I, I'm not around. Like I, I can't give you a consistent schedule. So he unfortunately parted ways with UCSS, no hard feelings. We love Polk. We see him every day in the building. Uh, you do? I haven't seen him since the softball game. He's so busy. Uh, I seen I Polk last week. Oh, yeah, man, I, I haven't I seen him in a while. I go up and ask Yak questions. I usually see him in the newsroom. Mm. But oh, all right. he, he's yeah, literally, I, he, the man does not stop moving. He's the he getting money. Yeah, I heard getting true. some money. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that is where Polk is. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up here, guys. We appreciate it. Oh, actually, before we do that, I got to scroll back up. Earl asked where people were tuning in from. We're going to give some shout-outs real quick. Where, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? All right. I think we're here. I think we're here. Uh, Soul Train said, watching from Orlando. Big Chuck and Lil John, Akron, Evan 409 in Jay's hometown of Chagrin Falls. We have Tony Maselli from Long Island. Nathan Tony Maselli. That's, that's a Long Island name. I've never heard one. That's a lot. Uh, Tony Maselli. Hey, wait, real quick. Tony, <laughs> did you watch the John Gotti doc- documentary on Netflix? I did. It was fire. It I was fire. It. I heard it was good. Yeah, was rest in peace, John Gotti. <laughs> Nathan G from Lorraine. H- I'm, I'm assuming that means H-Town. H-Town? H- yeah, H-Town. I'm forever H-Town. We ride foes, baby. <laughs> Mr. King from Los Angeles. We got Donnie from Sumter, South Carolina. We got Rob from Cleveland. We got Creative Juice from Slavic Village. We got DJ Brobot from the Heights. Mail on 185th. That's the 10th ward, by the way. 185th. That's that's the 10th ward. Christopher Gillespie says, my grandmother's basement. We got legit addresses here. Shout out to Lauren. <laughs> Did we just dock somebody? Is that is that what we're doing? We're just putting up. I uh, know. Shout out Lawrence. We got Alabama right, Willowick. <laughs> yeah, we got we got everyone. Uh, west side of Lorraine. Uh, someone just said six one four gang. What's up, Columbus? Columbus. Okay, Columbus. So we we appreciate you guys. We always do. Seriously, we always do. And we are back tomorrow. We gave you a little preview of Friday show, by the way, just so you guys understand. A couple of this is some stuff we're going to talk about on Friday, but. Uh, Crave, you says that's not an address. Do not worry. So oh. uh, we're all good. Uh, last, last, last thing. Last, last, last thing. I need to give a shout out. I got to find the tweet. But I got to give a shout out to somebody who's probably not even watching right now. But this was objectively hysterical. Is this the tweet we you read when we were walking back yesterday? Tattoo? Yeah. No, this is. Oh. Hey, why are you doing that? You see you see this right here? They they know what it means. <laughs> they is know that what Lakeshore? it means. Yeah, they Thank know what you. it means. <laughs> See? All right. West so, kid. so Bull tweeted my best Ohio weed name, and he called himself Adam the Bull, B-O-W-L. His what? And then wait, shout out best. to Maddie Ice. Maddie, if you're in here, this was hysterical. He tweeted at Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Cue the intro. Smoking Jay Crawford. That's Adam the Bull. <laughs> Garrett Burning Bush. And but but da da, it's Mikey McWeed, Mikey McWeed Nuggets. And I sung that in my head. And there, here's a tweet. And it came off as just a flawless. I, I can't say it as well as I sung it in my head because we all sing better. But that was funny. So shout out to Maddie Ice for legitimately making me laugh. That's um, so funny. <laughs> it it was that's, that's that's just a funny tweet. So shout out to Maddie Ice. All right, guys, we got to wrap. Cavs tipping off in one minute. They're gonna win by seven tonight. We appreciate y'all for tuning in. As always, 
2020. Tomorrow on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show at 11. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Do us a favor. And we will see y'all on Thursday. Peace. See you guys.